have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 22. 6 through 22. So I thought that before... Before we dive into a series on the life and times of Elijah, I want us to stop and think about finishing strong. Finishing strong here at the beginning of the new year. Now, why should we stop and think about that? Well, I came up with uh, actually seven reasons, and let me just give you these. First of all, because the start of a new year is a good time to reflect on how you're going to finish the year. Beginnings are the times to think about your ending, how you're going to finish. Secondly, because the Bible says, thinking about how long we have to live develops wisdom. Uh, In fact, in Psalm 90.12, it says this, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Three, number three, because we've recently had some dear members Uh, die and go to be with the Lord who finished strong. And when I see that and I hear the testimonies and I hear the eulogies given, it encourages me. I want to finish strong like these people in our church have. And I want each of you to finish strong like them as well. Number four is because the older I get, the more I realize how difficult it is to finish strong. Dumb choices and sinful decisions can instantly erase a lifetime of living for the Lord. I don't mean you lose your salvation. I mean you you end your race in shame and disgrace. You're disqualified from the rewards. And you can live a whole lifetime like that and lose it in a moment of a dumb decision. I can't help but lament. Uh, in a sense, for Kareem Hunt as we watch the Chiefs go into this playoff. It's, it's, a, it's a sermon illustration. It's a lesson illustration of what we're talking about. Here's a guy that could be riding the wave with uh, our team as we go into, and who knows, maybe to the Super Bowl, although the Colts are looking a little dangerous. But this guy sitting at home because of a sinful, abusive decision. And I bet you what, he's probably playing that night over and over and over in his mind as he's watching what's going on with his former team. Number five, because I see more and more professing Christians compromise on sound doctrine and its meaning. It's actually rather alarming to me how not only pastors, but God's people who claim to, you know, have been saved for a while and know God and are just, in, in, in a lot of ways, ignorant of, of, of the Bible. And I don't know if that's due to not reading it or not reading it in a way that they can grow in their understanding, but there's pretty obvious things and uh, that, that should be known that are not known. And I'm not saying all is lost, and I'm not saying like Elijah, which we'll see, I'm the only one who's still remaining loyal to the Lord. Uh, but like we're going to see in the life of Elijah, I think we're living in a time of growing apostasy and more and more people seem to be, you know, not finishing the race. Now, maybe they'll get back on track. I don't know, but I know I want to stay in my lane. I want to finish 
my race strong, and I want you to. Number six, the books of, book of Hebrews says, warning one another uh, about finishing strong, about not falling away from the faith, is one of the ways that true believers are strengthened. And so I want you to be strengthened by this. And then number seven, because the Apostle Paul spent his last words challenging his disciple Timothy to follow in his footsteps and finish strong. And so I think it's amazing as we sit, as we look here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So I want you to look at that in your Bibles beginning in verse 6. Here's a man who is in a deep, dark pit, literally, of a prison. Uh, it, it was one of the worst prisons. It was renowned for just the horrible conditions. He knows, he knows for a fact that he's about to be executed. He's escaped death many times, but now he knows this is it. And he chooses his last words to ever, uh, apparently to be ever written to his disciple Timothy. And certainly his last words recorded in scripture are, is a challenge to finish strong. And I always get encouraged by reading this. So let's, let's take a look at it. Follow along with me as we read it. Here's Paul, and it's really God through his Holy Spirit speaking to us. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He already knows that his death is intimate. And the time of my departure has come. And here's what he could say. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward, award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, all of us, who have loved his appearing. So make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. There's somebody that didn't finish strong. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Those guys are finishing strong, but they have ministries away from where Paul is. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark, bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. But Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. Now look at verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak, which I left at Troas. So he's like some of us who leave clothing along the way. We forget to bring our coat. Did I come with a coat? Yes, I did. Bring my coat. He forgot his coat. And the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Whoa. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. There's a lot of obstacles, a lot of difficult uh, situations, but also difficult people that you're going to have to face if you're going to finish strong. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So there's a difference. When someone aggressively attacked him, he's like, the Lord will repay. The Lord will take care of him. But when people maybe out of fear, out of passively just didn't stand with him, he prays that it may not be counted against them. But realize this, he was all alone. Verse 17, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. And I think that's literal. 
literally rescued from being fed to the lions. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes and he greets Prisca, Aquila, the household of Nephorus, Erastus, these people. And then he says, verse 21, make every effort to come before winter because I'm going to need that coat. Eubulus greets you, also Puddens and Linus, two great names. Add Claudia and Claudia and all the brethren. And then notice Paul's last words, which we're going to focus on in a moment. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is Paul's challenge to finish strong. I like that story of the Tanzanian runner in the Mexico City Olympic Games. Uh, who uh, was in the marathon 26-mile race, but there in the middle of the pack, he fell, he was jostled, and he, he threw his knee out, and he, he hurt his shoulder, and yet he refused to quit. He refused to quit. He took longer to run the last 15 miles than the winner took to run the entire race. They had already had the medal ceremony. The stadium was almost empty. The lights were off. And when it was reported that this young man, uh, by the name of John Stephen Akarari, if I'm saying that right, my Tanzanian, when it was heard that he was still going to come and finish the race, they, they turned on all the lights of the stadium, and there he was limping, limping in. And he finishes the race. And then famously, they asked him, why didn't you quit? Why, why did you do this? And he famously said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I always see that quote and get so encouraged because that's why God saved us. He didn't save us just to start our Christian life. He saved us to finish it and to finish it strong. Amen? Does that make sense? That's why we are saved. We're saved to not just start to finish. So here's what we're going to do. If we're going to finish strong, the first thing we need to be clear about is how do we measure a strong finish? What is a strong finish? Is our idea, you know, is it just hanging on to Jesus and, um, you know, whether we live for him, whether we serve him, you know, We're on our dying bed and the chaplain or the pastor comes and says, are you ready to meet God? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Is that finishing strong? How does the Bible measure finishing strong? So let me give you this. Here's the two ways that we learn from Paul. Finishing strong is measured by finishing your race and fulfilling your ministry. Finishing your race and fulfilling ministry. Your ministry, finishing your race strong, you could say, and fulfilling your ministry. Those are the two things that we see uh, Paul talking to Timothy about. So let's take a look at that. Christ followers who finish wrong do two things. First of all, they persevere in finishing the race until Jesus comes or takes them home. Let's look at verses 6 through 8 again. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering... The time of my departure has come. And here's what he can say. And notice, it's 
It's in the past tense. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And I have kept the faith. So I have lived and I have finished my race. And there's laid up for me the reward for someone who's a faithful finisher. And so two things I want to draw out of that, and that's this. Number one, on this sixth day of 2019, keep on living out your faith. Keep on living out your faith for Jesus Christ. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit running the race, fighting the good fight, and keeping the faith. I love the image up there in your right-hand corner of your notes of this woman running her shadow. Her shadow is bent over and is wanting to quit, but she is running on, and it says this, thought about stopping, then ran harder. Thought about stopping. And I just love that image of the shadow because we have that inner part of us that says, I want to stop. I want to quit. This hurts. This is difficult. I don't want to go on. Thought about stopping then ran honor, uh, ran harder. Look at those images, running, fighting, and keeping. Those are, look at the amount of effort in that. Fighting the good fight, running, running a marathon, not a sprint, running like Zakari did, and, and limping, and, and limping through, but making it to the end. And think about the struggle involved. And then think about the perseverance that's required. Especially in that last phrase, keeping the faith. This idea of keeping the faith has two ideas in it. The first is this, watching and guarding something. Something that you treasure, something that's valuable, and just making sure that no one takes it. Okay, So think about something that you have of great value and how you watch for that and you care for that. Think about people that have a car that's very special to them and they'll park way out in the parking lot. Why? Because they're guarding it from anybody scratching or damaging that vehicle. But also, it means to hold on to something and not let it go. Our faith is, is a great treasure. You need to guard it. You need to make sure nobody takes it from you. Nobody, nobody deceives you to abandon it. You need to hold on to it and keep tight hold on it. Keep on living out your faith. Not just believing it, believing it, but running the race and fighting the good fight and keeping the faith involves living out what you believe. So that's the first thing. Secondly, never abandon our faith. So, Keep living it out and be, be on your guard to never abandon it. And this is something that in 1 Timothy 1 and uh, verses uh, 12 and 2 Timothy 1, in the first two chapters of 1 and 2 Timothy, Paul says a lot about guarding that which God has entrusted to you. But before he says guard what God has given to you, the gospel, your faith, he says, I know that God will guard what I've entrusted in to Him, my faith and my salvation. So here's the idea. We can guard our faith because we know we're secure in God guarding our salvation. So if you're secure in your salvation, you have the ability to then guard what God has given to you. Never, ever abandon the faith. So there's more we can say on that, but that's the main idea. Finishing the race is not only continuing to believe, but continuing to live out your faith and never 
abandoning that which God has given you in the gospel. And here's the second thing. Persevere in fulfilling their ministry. Christ followers who finish strong persevere in fulfilling their ministry until Jesus comes or takes them home. It's, I find it very interesting that before Paul launches into verse 6 where he's finished his race, what he warns Timothy of in the first five chapters is to fulfill his ministry. He's saying, look, to finish your race, you've got to fulfill your ministry. So let's look at verses 1 through 5. Look at chapter 4 there in your Bibles and verse 1. I solemnly charge you. This is a heavy responsibility. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. In other words, he's saying, look, when Christ comes, we're going to be held accountable. And so live in a way that you will not be ashamed in the presence of Jesus. And he tells Timothy, because he was a pastor, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come, and I think it has, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. I want to go somewhere where they tell me what I want to hear. That's the idea. I want to go to church. I want to listen to Bible teachers. I want to read books that will reaffirm what I'm already doing and what I already think. Whereas we come to a Bible teaching and preaching church to get unsettled, to be convicted, to be uncomfortable, and to be transformed in our thinking. Does that make sense? See, I think the opposite of how God thinks. That's how we naturally think. Just take how you naturally think, turn it upside down, and that's usually what God thinks. Okay, And so we come to hear God's Word. So He's saying to him, look... Don't be deceived by that and don't be discouraged. And he says, they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, here's what he says in verse 5. And this applies not only to Timothy, but to all who are going to finish strong. But you, be sober in all things. Take all aspects of life seriously. Don't take yourself seriously, but take what God can do in your life. Take that seriously. Be sober. Pay attention. Endure hardship. Don't quit because your life is getting difficult. Do the work of an evangelist. Keep sharing the gospel with the lost. And there he says it. The last thing he says to Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. How do we finish strong? We finish our race and we fulfill our ministry. Let me give you, in fact... This idea of fulfilling your ministry. Turn over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. This idea was something that Paul would often refer to. And so, when you think about the New Testament letters, the letters that Paul read, you need to realize everybody didn't have their own personal copy of those letters until the letter came. And so, the letter was read out loud. Many of the people were illiterate. 
And so the letter was read out loud. So imagine you're in the church at Colossae, and you're this guy, Archippus. And you're a guy that's been in ministry, but you're thinking about quitting. And, and the letter from Paul is being read to the church. And all of a sudden it says in verse 17, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Now, don't you know that every eye in that church turned and looked at, well, I wonder how Archippus is going to respond to that. Plus, if he was thinking about quitting and Paul knew about it, you can be sure the church knew about it. And so here's this accountability that Paul is establishing and saying, look, Archippus, you got to finish strong. Look, church, you got to help Archippus finish strong. How do I do that? By fulfilling my ministry. Let me give you a couple applications off of that. Number one, never retire from ministry. Never retire from ministry. That's an American concept, and we enjoy that in the workplace. It's not a biblical concept when it comes to ministry. Never retire from ministry. Now, I realize that the older we get, our ministry may be so reduced by the Lord that the ministry becomes showing up. And even that is not easy. Are you with me? We have some dear saints who before they went home to the Lord were homebound. Or it was just every Sunday was a challenge. Dear George Michelzik, uh, here he is, body ravaged with cancer. And he would get ready and come to church and he'd get all dressed and then he'd look at Dewana and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Or they'd get to the church. They, they, had, they would drive to the church and he's got, you got to take me home. But do you see the spirit? Do you see the desire? He's not looking for reasons to stay home. And, and when you get to that point, then your ministry is showing up. The problem is, you know, they want to come, but their bodies won't let them. The problem is us. We have the health. We have the ability. And we just desire. We just retire ahead of time and say, hey, you should be glad I show up occasionally. Okay, and that's not the idea. That's not finishing strong. And so I, I just I look at these saints and listen, church, we should be we should be taking note, you know, take note and be encouraged and uh, and say, I want to be like them because that's that's what motivates me. Secondly, keep on laboring to the point of exhaustion in ministry. Keep on laboring to the point of exhaustion, because here's the deal. The longer you run the race and the older you get, the more tiring life becomes and you begin to think, well, I shouldn't do this because I'm just tired. But here's the reality. The word that Paul used the most of work, the work of the ministry is a word that means labor to the point of exhaustion. Keep on keeping on doing the work of the ministry. Now, one I, I want to have one you know warning to you on that. I'm not talking the work of the ministry. The ministry that we're going to keep we are challenged to keep fulfilling is not simply showing up once a week doing something at the church and saying there that's done, I'm finishing strong. Ministry is 24/7, 7 days a week. And that's what he says to it. Look at verse 5. He says, be sober in 
What you do at the church, be sober in some things. What's he say? Be sober in all things, all things. And then he says, endure hardship. Well, that's he's not talking about getting up and going to church, which some of us think, you know, is a great hardship. He's talking about all of life. And then he says, uh, do the work of an evangelist. Will you do that outside of the church? Outside the church, but also and mostly outside of the church. So what I want you to understand is when it comes to not retiring from the ministry and keeping on laboring and fulfilling your ministry, that's something we do 24-7. You are a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ 24-7. Make sense? And for those of us that work in Christian environments... You know, you think, oh, that's the easy part. Well, there's some things that are easier. You don't listen to, you know, as much cussing. Well, a little joke there. Right, Kurt? <laughs> but, uh, but the difficulty is you don't have as many contacts with people, immediate contacts, natural contacts with people who need Jesus. And so you, you have a ministry in the workplace that should go on and you want to keep doing it. And that's a part of finishing strong, okay? And notice also, verse 8, he says those that are going to be awarded, those who are going to be rewarded for finishing the race and fulfilling their ministry are all those who love his appearing. So this, we're not doing ministry out of a heart, of, out of a burden, but out of a joy, we love Jesus and we want to serve Him and His people and we want more people to know Him. We love Him and we can't wait for Him to come. And we can't wait for our friends and neighbors to know Him. Make sense? We want more people to know Him. And so that's why we fulfill our ministry. So that's what finishing strong is. But here's the second question. How was Paul able to finish strong by finishing his race and fulfilling his ministry. How was he able to do it? And here's the answer. He persevered in finding strength in the Lord through his word. He found strength in the Lord through his word. And I want to show you that. That's how. And so here we are in the first of the year. It's time to think about your Bible reading plan. It's time think about your devotional life. I'm trying to get you to think about it in the context, I want to finish strong. So this isn't something I have to do. It's something I want to do because I love the Lord and I want to finish strong. And the way you finish strong is by finding strength in the Lord through His Word. So let's take a look at that and see how that plays out. The first thing I want you to see is Christ followers finish strong by finding strength in the Lord. Are you discouraged? Is it hard right now? Did you kind of didn't meet your goals of reading the Bible, meeting with God? Do you feel like you've taken steps back in becoming more like Jesus? Find your strength today and for the rest of the year, find it in the Lord. Uh, look at verses 16 through 18. I think this is so significant. Ultimately, it's not about the people around you. It's about the Lord over you. That's all I'm trying to say. No one stood with me. All deserted me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Do you see those words? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. 
Now, how did he do it? Well, I want you to look at this handout that I think is on your, on your tables there. The way the Lord strengthens you is by His grace. It's by His grace. I find it fascinating that the first words that Paul ever wrote, which is in the book of Galatians, the first letter he wrote, he says, grace to you. And then at the end, the last words, we just read them in 2 Timothy 4, the last words he wrote in inspired scripture is grace be with you. Grace to you, grace be with you. And that got me thinking, how often does he do this? He did it in Galatians. He does it in 2 Timothy. Well, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. And I went through, and lo and behold, in every single letter he wrote, in some fashion or form, almost always, literally, he begins, grace to you. Grace to you. Grace to, I feel like Oprah. Grace to you. Grace to you. And you. And you. Grace to you. And then when he's done telling them what to do, he ends with, grace be with you. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. That's how you get strong in the Lord. You get strong in the Lord because He gives grace to you. And it doesn't just come in salvation. It stays with you. Grace to you and grace with you. And you really ought to take the time and just read through all those phrases. And so I got thinking about that, and that's dangerous. And what I realized is we need grace for the race. We need grace for the race. Paul doesn't write anything. He doesn't say anything until he says grace to you. And he doesn't think his job is done until he says grace be with you. And so we need grace for the race. Those who finish strong do two things. They receive grace from God and they rely on grace. They receive grace and they rely on grace. Listen, I want you to be reading the Bible this year. I want you to be active in ministry this year because that's what finishing strong is. But I want you to do it because you have received grace and I want you to do it relying on grace. Is that good? That's what I want you to do. So here's what I came up with. Ten, ten, just, looking, just looking at the, these. Just looking at this. Here's ten ideas that the Lord gave me this week. Because there is a wealth in that. See, we read the beginning of a letter and we go, grace to you, grace and peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get to the good stuff. I just spit a lot. Sorry about that. Let's get to the good stuff. And then we read all that and we get discouraged because we're not doing that stuff. And then we don't read the ending where he says, grace be with you. So here's, here's ten principles, and we're not going to develop them all, but here's the idea. Number one, finishing strong is impossible apart from receiving grace. Finishing strong is impossible apart from receiving grace. Let me tell you, if the Apostle Paul wouldn't ever admonish, write, encourage, rebuke a church until he first said grace to you, you're not going to finish strong until you receive grace. Isn't that good? You know, it might be good for all of us to never challenge any other person, do any other thing who is a believer. We first say grace to you, and then we say it. 
grace to you. And then we say it. I just think that's really good. He said it ten times, grace to you. And then when it was personal in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, he changes it up a little bit. And he says he emphasizes the relationship that he has with these men that he led to the Lord. But it's still grace. So here's my point. Before Paul would do anything, he established this fact. Doing anything, much less finishing strong, is impossible apart from receiving grace. Have you received grace through the Lord Jesus Christ? Number two, finishing strong requires grace to remain with us. It requires grace to remain with us. This is the second part. Grace be with you. So here's what happens. We start thinking salvation is by grace, and then we think the rest of it is by us trying harder. But the reality is, he says, grace to you. Here's what you need to do in the Lord as believers. Then he says, do it in grace. Grace be with you. Okay? I think that's important. Number three, finishing strong is a gift of grace from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Look at, on the sheet, look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's kind of right in the middle. This is how he ends the letter to the Corinthians, one of the most messed up, carnal, worldly, goofy churches in the New Testament. Here's how he ends it, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Listen, grace is a gift. You don't have to earn you can't earn it. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift that God wants to give you. Grace to you. Number four. Oh, and let me say too, more often than not, he says, grace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're going to get grace, it comes from God, but it always comes through the person of Jesus Christ. God doesn't give grace any other way than through a relationship, a faith-based relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. It comes from God, not the judge, but God our Father. Isn't that good? He's got a Father's heart for you. And He knows your weakness, and He wants to give you grace. Number four, finishing grace is an inside work of grace. Is an, uh, finishing strong is an inside work of grace. I thought this was interesting. When you look at his 13 letters, at least four times he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Be with your spirit. Why? Because grace is an inside job. Grace works from the inside out. All right? Now that goes along with number five. Look at number five. Finishing strong is the result of transforming grace. Finishing strong is a result of transforming grace. Grace isn't just the forgiveness of sins. It's the transformation from the inside out to where you have a desire to do what God wants and you have the ability to do what God wants because it was a gift that He gave you. Are you with me? So when you look at reading your Bible on a daily, consistent basis, let's say you know five days a week, 
this year, realize that God's transformed your desire. You should want to do that and you should delight to do it. And yet, you've got to keep fighting, running, and struggling in the process. Are you, is that, is, does that coincide with your experience? If you're born again, you want to be in God's Word. But you've got to fight. It's a discipline. And yet, it's a delight. When you get into God's Word, He is going to change you from the inside out. Let's be honest. A lot of times, the reason we don't want to be in the Word of God or come to church and hear the preaching is because we know we need to change. And we know the Word of God is going to expose those areas. So it's a transforming grace. As uh, uh, Ephesians 6.24, if you look at that ending, Ephesians uh, 6.24, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. So grace should be changing us. Number six, finishing strong comes through persevering faith in unending future grace. We don't have the time to explore all this, but these endings and these greetings of grace to you and grace with you come in a context of trials and tribulations and hardship. Just think about First Tim, uh, Second Timothy, chapter four. Paul's in prison and about to die, and he's like, "Ah, grace to you, grace be with you, grace is with me. I know I'm going to finish well, but let me tell you, it's grace." He's anticipating, Lord, when it comes time and they're going to chop my head off, I'm going to need grace. I'm trusting for future grace. I'm trusting you for future grace. Number seven, finishing strong is the result of Jesus reigning over our lives by grace. Finishing strong is the result of Jesus reigning over our lives by his grace. I think it's interesting. It's grace to you from who? Nearly every time, I think every time except once, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gets grace? Those who Jesus reigns over. Those whom Jesus reigns over. So, grace isn't given out, let me put it this way. Sometimes we think grace is given so I can live any way I want, but I'm forgiven. Grace is given so I can live any way I want, but I'm forgiven, so it's okay. But we realize grace is given by a king who is the Lord over us. It's the Lord. He rose from the dead. He's reigning at the last, uh, at the right hand of the Father. One day he's going to come and establish his kingdom. And if we're going to be in that kingdom, we ought to live like he's the Lord of our lives now. And we have the grace to do that. Number eight, finishing strong is due to receiving the abundant riches that come with grace. So here's the idea. It's not just grace we get, but we get peace. We get faith, we get hope, and we get love. These are just some of the riches that grace brings into our lives. So if you've got someone difficult to love, realize God gives you grace to love them. Grace is for losers, not winners. Grace is for failures, not successes. So if you're failing... And not achieving that which you want to do and what you know God wants you to do. Understand that God has riches of grace to enable you to do that. Number nine, finishing strong 
displays what believers have been called to do by grace. Finishing strong is what we have been called to do by grace. And then number 10, finishing strong is due to grace that enables us to be steadfast and immovable in the storms of life. So, here's the question I want to end with. Here's all this grace. Finish strong by being strengthened in the Lord. How did Paul get it? Number two, by receiving their strength through the word of the Lord. How do I get this? How do I rely on this grace? How do I receive more grace? It's through the word of the Lord. And where do I find this? Look at verse 13. Out of all the things that Paul could have asked to bring, he asked Paul, he asked Timothy to bring him what two things? You find it there, verse 13. Okay, but, well, okay, count, let's count those things as one thing. Books and parchments. And Mark. But, yeah, well, yeah, he did say bring Mark. Verse 13. The coat, yeah. So here's he saying. He's in this cold, dark dungeon of a pit. And he says, I need two things. I need two things. I need a coat for my outer man. And I need the word of God for my inner man. The books and the parchments represent the scriptures that he is writing and are being passed around in the early church. He says, here's what I need to finish strong. I, I need to take care of my outward man. And I find this interesting. That even though he knows he's going to die, he's still being a responsible steward and saying, I don't want to die of a cold. I want to keep living. Because I never, I don't know exactly what may happen, but I need to be a responsible steward right up to the moment I die. I find that interesting. But he says, I want the book and the parchments. Why? Because he needed the Word of God for his inner man. What were the books and the parchments? Well, we don't know because he doesn't say. But more than likely, I think it's all three of these things that I have there in your notes. I think it was copies and translations of the Old Testament books of the Bible, the entire Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. I think it was copies and portions of the sayings of Christ. People were already writing down the sayings of Christ, and they were collecting them, and they are now found for us in the Gospels, right? And even in some of Paul's letters. And then third, I think they're copies of Paul's letters and even copies of Peter's letters and other apostles as they were being copied. He basically has, I'm not saying he has the entire New Testament, but he has certainly significant portions of it. It's the Word of God that he wants. And he's not complaining, he's not whining, and he's not making excuses. He says, Timothy, I need a coat because winter is coming. But what I need more than anything else is I need the Word of God to be strengthened in the Lord. So what did Paul do with the Word once he got it? I'll let you look up those verses, but here's what he did. He read the Word for himself. He fed the word to others in ministry. The pastoral epistles are full of exhortations to Timothy to teach, exhort, preach the word in season and out of season. That's how you feed other people. And then number three, he led with the word in the church. 
So here's what I want to leave you with. Finish strong. Persevere in finding strength in the Word to finish strong in the Lord. And so, number one, read the Word in 2019 to heed it. We read to heed. We read to heed. Listen, we don't read our Bibles to mark it off and say, there, got that done, now let me live any way I want. We read the Bible so that we can know Jesus and what our King wants us to do. Listen, if you went through 2018 without reading the Scriptures on a consistent basis, you went through 2018 without knowing the will of the Lord, growing in it, and without being strengthened in the Lord. I'm sorry, that's a fact. Because the Spirit uses the Word to strengthen us. And so if we are abstaining from reading Scripture, we are cutting ourselves off from the strength and we're cutting ourselves off from the grace, the abundant grace that God wants to give us to finish strong, finish the race, and fulfill our ministry. So here's reading plans I've given you. You know, I used to print all these out. I don't have to do that anymore. There's two links with, I'd say, 25 plans. One guy's list is a plan to satisfy anyone. Oh, I wish that was true. Because at the end of the day, if you don't delight in the Word, no plan in the world is going to help you. But here's 25 plans or more. Number two... There's digital resources. Two, I recommend you version and read scripture. I'm doing the read scripture 2018 and into 2019. Read scripture. Great apps. Got to watch a little bit of their doctrine. You can look on our website. You can look. Uh, I'll put out some things on our Facebook page uh, that you can see what to watch for. But it's still a great tool. Number two, read the Word to feed it to others. We read to feed. We don't just read to heed. We read to feed. I've made some adjustments or some commitments in my ministry is, one, I'm trying, and I I won't do this perfectly, so don't freak out, but when I say I'll pray for someone, writing a little prayer out. You know, when instead of hitting like or something on social media, actually writing a little bit out. And I've made a commitment to respond to people with a passage of Scripture. And you would be amazed at what God does when you do that. Because at the end of the day, when people come to me with hurts and problems, I don't have anything I can give you. But God does. I can direct you to Him. And I'm telling you, God uses that. So use the word this year to feed it. But listen, you're not going to think to share Scripture with people if you're not yourself reading it and heeding it yourself. Number three, read the word to seed it to others. We read to heed, we read to feed, and we read to seed. We sow it in the lives of other believers. We just came out of that in October, so I won't belabor it, but there's the poster. It's going to stay there all year because we don't stop sowing because missions is over. We keep sowing. And then number four, read the word to lead with it in the church. Let me encourage you, those of you that are finishing strong, that means you're in ministry. And let me encourage you in your ministry to use the Word of God. You're like, are you kidding me? Can we do ministry without the... Yeah, we can. 
We can, we can direct worship without the Word of God directing it. We can even teach and preach without the Word of God being the basis of it. We can do awanas without really imparting the Word of God. There's a lot that we can do. But let's lead with the Word of God. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Here's my challenge. is I want you to evaluate how were you in God's Word in 2018. And I want you to be encouraged to finish strong 2019 having read the Word of God. There's a lady in our, in our grow group who determined to read the Bible through the influence of our ministry and our church. And she was so excited. I think it was like the, a week after January 1. I finished Revelation. And I was so happy with her. And, and here's what her idea. She was, I finished it and now I'm going to start again. And I'm like, that's the idea. That's the idea. But you do it. But listen, let me end with this. Grace to you and grace be with you as you do it. Are you with me? Okay, so find your plan and come back next week ready to share at your table. Here's what I'm doing to be in the Word of God. All right? All right? And if it takes you a couple weeks to figure that out, okay, take a couple weeks. Still come. And if you need help, come and ask for it or ask somebody at your table. There's plenty of people in this room that can help you. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your abundant grace. I thank you for showing me grace to you and grace be with us. I pray for our class. I pray for each individual. Some are headed off to college. Some are in different various stages and ages of life. But I pray, Lord, that we'll understand that we can receive grace through Jesus and we can rely on grace. Your grace remains with your children. May we read, not out of duty, but out of delight, because we are recipients of the riches of your grace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hey, go to our website, wearelifebridge.com. Look under resources and a lot of these reading plans and and, and apps to help you pray are all on the website. So we'll take a look at that next week.